Very nice casting, Holmes. I must say, I'm enjoying this trip tremendously. It'd be rather more satisfying if we caught some fish, Watson. What are you always telling me? Patience is a virtue? Well, they'll be here a couple of days. Now, after all, what have we come to Norfolk for? Complete rest. Enjoy the broads, fishing, walking, generally taking a lazy holiday. I'm quite content. It's all very well for a couple of days, but then I find I need something to concentrate upon. I think you should concentrate upon your line, Holmes. I think you might have a bite. Hey, hey, you there. You want to bank there? And if I have, then that man has ruined it. Jones! Jones! Holmes, surely it must be. Who on earth? I'm not known in these parts. By heavens, it's Tubby Spencer. Do you remember him, Watson? Superintendent of the yard many years ago. Well, well. What on earth's he doing up here? present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. The Neen River Mystery. came very late, but it suited me quite well, for I'd been busy the whole of August, and it wasn't until September that I had time on my hands. When I did, the summer really started. Sun came out, temperatures rose, and it seemed an ideal time to take a short break. Most holiday makers had gone home, the resorts were deserted. I persuaded Holmes to join me for a few days on the Norfolk Broads. We'd found a small inn which was reasonably comfortable, and for two days we'd enjoyed the walking and the scenery. And then one morning we'd been disturbed by the well-remembered figure of Superintendent Spencer, or rather, ex-Superintendent, for he'd retired from Scotland Yard many years ago. Holmes, Watson, well, this is a wonderful meeting. I inquired at the inn, and they told me I'd find you on the river. Tuppy Spencer, this is a surprise. Good to see you. Hey, Watson? Yes, yeah, certainly is. You're looking well, Superintendent. Oh, no titles, please. I gave that up years ago. Just played Spencer. Or Tubby, if you like. What are you doing in these parts? The wife and I bought a pub when I retired. The Angler's Rest at South Wooden, near the mouth of this river. Nice spot. We're well content there. How did you find us? Oh, your fame spreads far and wide, Holmes. Once I'd heard the name Holmes and the description of a tall, angular fellow who walked the fens in a deer-stalker hat, accompanied by a burly fellow who was a doctor, I knew who it was. Well, it's splendid to see you again after all this time. Good to see you. Uh, tell me, uh, are you satisfied with your stay at the local inn? It's the wheat sheep, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I think we can say that we're, they're making us comfortable there. Don't you agree, Holmes? Oh, yes, yes, I have no complaints. But uh, perhaps you have a reason for asking that question, Tuppy. Although South Wooden is but a short way off, you've travelled here at some haste to find us, have you not? Now, how did you know that? You were always a very careful dresser. Your outfit is still smart. You've not become slovenly in any way. <laughs> Yet your boots are badly tied, your socks don't match, and your tie is inside out. You've dressed hurriedly. You've even taken to horse to reach us, hence the riding crop in your hand. <laughs> Why the haste, Terry? Something wrong? <laughs> I can see that you are just as observant as ever, Holmes. 
Yes, I heard that you were here for but a few days, and I was anxious to see you before you departed. Well, we've a couple of days more left of the holiday. You needn't have hurried. Oh, that's good. Then perhaps I might make a suggestion. If you care to see a little more of the district, why not leave the wheat sheep and come across to my place? Well, there is free accommodation for you at Fisherman's Rest. My wife will be glad to meet you. She's a rare cook, I can tell you. <laughs> and you'll have plenty of time to explain to us just what it is that's worrying you. What is it, Tuppy? You say that you're no longer a member of the force, but you're still interested in crime, aren't you? And it is a crime that you wish to discuss, isn't it, Tubby? Tubby Spencer simply grinned and inclined his head. And that was enough for Holmes. He had exhausted all his interest in fishing. The mention of the word crime was a bait far more attractive to his mentality. Within minutes, we'd gathered together our fishing gear and were on our way back to the inn. By lunchtime, we'd been taken by donkey cart across the Fenlands to South Wooden. The fishman's rest was in every way superior to the inn we'd just left. Mrs. Spencer made us very welcome. After a fine meal, we retired to Tubby's parlour, where we lit our pipes and sat near the open windows that looked out towards the river's mouth. Hmm. Well, come on, Tubby. This is the ideal time to explain what it's all about. Well, now, Holmes... You've got to understand that South Wooten is a very small place. Not much goes on here, and the population is sparse. So, as, as most villages, gossip is part of the day-to-day -day diet of most folk. But recently, something has happened that's caused a real stir. Two people, the man and his wife, have simply disappeared. Disappeared? Hmm. Well, Margaret and Bill Easton. Well, they live in the large cottage right up near Goose Fen. They've been married some eight years. She was born and raised here. He's a Londoner she met and brought up to Norfolk after their marriage. He got a job as a salesman in King's Lynn. He's been doing very well. There was talk of him opening his own business and then something must have happened. The plan was abandoned. Bill used to go away on trips connected with his work. Left three days ago, they both did. No one's seen them since. But uh, three days is no time at all. They could turn up at any moment. Hmm. What makes you think that anything is wrong? Surely it's far too early to become anxious in any way. Oh, I hope so. That's why it's not been reported officially. But the Easterns have always been a bit of a mystery couple. Keep themselves to themselves. And this mystery has been borne out by Luke Merivale. Who's he? He's their lodger. A rum sort of cove. He arrived in these parts about a year ago. Works at the local garage as a mechanic. Oh, there's nothing known against him, but he's not liked. Bit of a snooper. And hasn't made friends except with a few poachers and the like. Mm. Well, rumor has it he's a, he's a bad lot, but as I say, there's nothing known against him. Anyway, he's very upset about this disappearance. He says there's been foul play of some kind. On what facts does he base these suspicions? Look, why don't you let him tell you himself? He's always calling in a bar in late afternoon for a pint. Get talking to him. He'll tell you everything. I'm sure he will. He's a tall, skinny bloke. A bit servile, but he will talk. Oh, I am very pleased and honoured to meet you, Mr. Holmes. It's a great day for Southwell. A great day, famous detective. Thank you, but Dr. Watson and I are simply on holiday. This is in no sense a business visit. Oh, you must always be able to give a little advice upon criminal matters. Can't help being interested, I'm sure. For instance, now, my landlady and her husband, perhaps you bear strange goings-on in our place Mr. and Mrs. East, no. I'm sure they're in great trouble. Oh, well, that's if they're still alive. Oh, you tell me more, Luke. Uh, come, let me fill your glass, and then 
Tell me what the mystery is all about. Uh, Tabby, can we have the same again, please? Coming up. Oh, thank you kindly. Well, now, it's this one. I've been born at the Eastons for nearly a year now, and I was quick to realise quite a few things. One was that Bill Easton had had trouble in the past evening. He'd done time, like, been in jail. Oh, yes, I can recognise an old lag, all right. And it seems that she, that's his wife, had met him just after he came out. Something to do with the charity meeting. They fell in love and she brought him here to South Britain and he went straight. Nothing wrong in that, of course. Well, he paid the price for his crime, embezzlement or something it was. Anyway, some months ago I happened to come down to my bedroom and they was in the park. I was going out and went up the passage to get me cab that was hanging on the wall stand. I couldn't help hearing what they were saying. I didn't listen on purpose, boy. I couldn't help it. Bill, Bill, what are we going to do? We can't go on like this. We've been paying out money regularly for months. I know, I know. Morgan, I, should have, I shouldn't have started it. I should have had the guts to define from the very beginning. But I thought he would honor his word. He swore that if I gave him a few hundred quid, then he would go abroad. Leave us alone instead of which he's still here. Well, we could go to the police. Blackmail is a foul crime. But then it would all come out anyway. There wasn't anything he could do if he talks. I just, I'll, I'll just have to find some cash somewhere. When I give it to him, I'm going to tell him it's the last he's going to get. I can do his damnedest. Oh, Bill, will it do any good if I saw this man? No. Now, Adam West is a foul and violent man. I don't want my wife to be involved with him. But I am involved. I am. Oh, my savings have gone to that swine. It's not fair. It's not fair. Don't cry. Don't cry, darling. Don't cry. So you see, I knew that Bill and Margaret Easton were being blackmailed by this man called Adam West. Who he is or where he lives, I can't say. Anyway, it accounted for the strange sort of atmosphere that's been in the house. And then, only a couple of nights ago, I was going upstairs when I overheard them talking once again. This time it scared me a bit. I knew he kept a revolver in his bedroom, but I'd never seen him use it. I'm going to put a stop to this, Marge. Even if I have to use this. Bill! Bill, no! No, you... You can't. You can't think of such a thing. The man is a coward. I know in his heart he is a coward. No one would have done what he has unless he's a rotten coward. This will scare me to silence. Oh. I know it will. I'm meeting Adam West late this evening. And I'm going to put a stop to this once and for all. Bill, don't please. Let me try. Let me meet him, please. So you see, Mr. Holmes, it is clear to me that Bill and his wife both went off to tackle this black man, Adam West. They had a gun and they was going to meet him. Well, they haven't come back, so... So I reckon there's something tragic out there, like. Now, what do you think, eh? Well, it certainly bears investigation, Luke. Did they not say where this meeting place was? Oh, no, no, I didn't hear no places mentioned. But I reckon... Hey, 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 look, everyone, look at this. This Billy Suzette, found down by the river mouth, and it's, it's got a bullet hole through it. <laughs> difficult to describe the sensation that broke out on the bar of the fisherman's rest. The man who had entered holding a large countryman's hat was Silas, well known in those parts as a casual worker during the day and a poacher at night. But for once, his poaching activities were not under question. 
He approached the bar and threw the hat onto the counter. Tubby Spencer picked it up immediately. Yes, yes, this is Bill Easton's, all right. Got his initials inside. Recognize it anywhere. May I see that, please? Yes, yes, there is a bullet hole on it. Holmes, you, you think this means... Someone must go to the police. This must be handed over to the police at once. Police? What, Sergeant Peppercorn? What good is he? It has to be officially reported. Now, come on. Come on, Silas. You must take us down to the police station and make a statement. Come on now. The rest of you clear the way. Come on, Silas. Silas was led out, and after a few minutes, Holmes motioned to me that we should also leave. It was typical of Holmes that he didn't wait for the police to arrive. Mention had been made of the river, and that was enough for him. We were down on its banks within twenty minutes. It was still broad daylight. Holmes noted the footprints on the sandy path, and eventually he stopped by some tall weeds bordering the marshlands. Ah, yes, I think this must be it, Watson. You see, the weeds are bent all over the place towards us, mostly. Which means Silas the poacher must have come from the river this way. Come. Yes. The trail leads towards the water. It's getting awfully damp underfoot, Holmes. Isn't this where the wooden marsh becomes dangerous? There's a quicksand at the mouth of the mean river, I'm told. Yes, I shouldn't be at all surprised. Ah, the foliage gives way as it slopes towards the water. Yes, now careful now, Watson. This is very important. We found the spot before others have got here and trampled all the evidence into the earth. Yes, footprints. But this way, uh, tread on the grass to one side. Holmes? Holmes, what's that? Uh, uh, white, uh, fluttering on those reeds. Yes, a length of cloth. Let me reach for it. Ah, yes, a flimsy piece of material. It could be from a woman's dress and... Ah, look, Watson. Blood. Oh, yes, this is where it happened. I should think the hat was found about here also. Yes, take this, Watson. It's vital evidence that a crime has been committed. Take it while I study these footprints. Yes. Here's where the struggle took place. Very clearly defined in the muddy sand. This is most interesting, it tells me a great deal. We are indeed fortunate, Watson. Holmes? Watson? Oh, there you are. You got here before us, have you? Holmes, this is Sergeant Peppercorn from the Woodson Police. I've explained who you are and how we want to find ourselves out here. Oh, good afternoon, Sergeant. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Holmes. Uh, uh, Dr. Watson. What a, a real fine state of affairs this be, eh? Uh, I reckon there'd be trouble here, eh? Undoubtedly, Sergeant. A murder has been committed. Perhaps two murders. This shows the scene of the struggle. And Watson found a strip of women's clothing. It's covered with bloodstains. There seems no doubt that Mrs. Easton was attacked here. Oh, and this is a spot where Silas said he'd found the hat. So, uh, well, it looks like both Bill and Marge Easton have been murdered, eh? Well, the bank, no sign of bodies about, is there? There are yeah, tracks. Anyway. There are tracks leading this way, not towards the river, but through the reeds and marshland. Look, very clear, wide, and it's all flattened down. Oh, oh best follow it. Well, I, I doubt that that'll be of any use. That trail leads straight into the wooden marsh, and from then on, it's the Neen quicksand. If the man responsible for all this is a local fellow, then he may know uh, a safe path through the quicksand. But then all he has to do is dump the bodies in the right places, and they'll never be found. Nothing has ever been recovered from the need quicksand. It's a perfect way to dispose of a body. Yes, I think I'll leave all the rest to you, Sergeant. I've found out all I need from the scene of the crime. We were getting back to the fisherman's rest. Oh, uh, the uh, hat, is it still there, Sergeant? Oh, oh yeah. I thought you might like to examine it, Mr. Strong, so uh, I left it with Tubby's wife. Oh, good man. You don't mind if we take this strip of clothing, do you? I'll see you later on, Sergeant. 
Come up and there's work to be done. We got back to the inn in record time, and Holmes took the hat from Mrs. Spence. We sat again in Tubby's parlour, and Holmes was silent for about half an hour while he subjected both hat and torn clothing to minute scrutiny through his magnifying glass. I could tell that he was puzzled. By the time Tubby Spencer returned, he was sitting quietly puffing at his pipe, lost in thought. Well, at least I didn't bring you over in a wild goose chase, Holmes. No, no, no. The goose at goose end is not wild, Tubby, but... Extremely clever. The man called Adam West, you mean? Yes, I agree. Of course, Sergeant Peppercorn has got in touch with headquarters at King's Lynn. Uh, they will have notified Norwich, and the country police will be over here before we know where we are. Oh, I don't think I wish to get involved with them, Tubby. We've got quite a way ourselves. We're, we were almost in at the kill, as it were. Are you agreeable to carry on with this as a private investigation? Well, I'm a private person now, not a Scotland Yard man. Yes, of course. Then it'll be a pleasure to work with you again. Ah, oh, good. Now, what are your thoughts about this up to the moment? Well, on the face of it, it appears that Bill Easton went out to keep the rendezvous with Adam West, who had been blackmailing him. We know he was armed. I should judge that his wife followed him. There was a confrontation down by the river. Perhaps Easton pulled a gun and tried to fire at West. His wife intervened. There was a struggle. West shot Easton. Then after another struggle, in which Margaret's clothing was badly torn, he overpowered her. He threw her into the quicksand and disposed of Easton's body in the same way. Yes, yes, that is a workable theory. But uh, you don't agree with it? Oh, no, not at all. Then might I ask what your thoughts are up to this moment? I'd sooner keep them to myself for a while. They're rather disorganized, and I hate rambling thinking. What about you, Watson? Well, I have to agree with Tubby. There's <laughs> only one thing that I'm not sure about. What's that? The, the uh, lodger. Luke Merivale. He's a shifty sort of man. I wonder if his evidence is to be trusted. We've only his word for it that uh, these conversations he overheard actually took place. For all we know, there might not even be a blackmailer called Adam West. Splendid thinking, Watson. That's really very astute of you. Full marks. Oh, thank you, Holmes. You see, if his story's correct, then why didn't he move before? Uh, why, for instance, if he is an inquisitive type of person, and he obviously is because he eavesdrops, didn't he follow Easton and his wife and check up on their movements on the night of the crime? Why, indeed. Of course, he might have been too scared. Or he might be even more involved. Lodgers have been known to disrupt domestic harmony, you know. Well, it's uh, worth thinking about, Holmes. Wrong, Watson. Totally wrong. You are, in fact, both wrong, but... It is getting late. I suggest a little light supper and an early night. Tomorrow morning we can resume our investigations. I shall first send off a telegram to your old firm of Scotland Yard, Tubby. And in the morning I suggest a trip to King's Lynn. King's Lynn? But why, Holmes? Easton's place of work. I think we might be able to pick up a few missing threads from quite an opposite direction. And meanwhile, your wife tells me there is cold game pie and cider for supper. Shall we join her in the kitchen, Tubby? I knew from Holmes' attitude that we should get no more out of him that night. The next morning, after an excellent breakfast, the three of us, for Tubby refused to be left out, journeyed by pony trap to King's Lynn, where we easily traced the firm of churchmen and sons where Bill Easton used to work as a salesman. The chief clerk showed us into the small office that Easton used. Yes, uh, yes, this is where poor Bill used to work. Uh, we haven't touched anything, of course, because... Well, because we're still hoping that all these rumors are ill-founded and that 
return. Uh, uh, that's his desk. Thank you. I'm afraid the chances of you seeing Bill Easton again are very remote. But I'm glad you've left everything undisturbed. Uh, thank you. Uh, I shall be in my office if you wish to discuss anything further. Uh, excuse me now. Christopher, I can see what's so important about searching his place of work, Holmes. I should have thought a search of the house would have been more profitable. Not if there was something he wished to conceal from his wife. Ah, there's this, for instance. A wallet. And in the wallet's letters. Ah, there's one letter in particular. Listen to this. My dearest Adam, just a short note to say that I should be waiting at the same place for you. I love you and will wait for you for always. I know that we shall come together in the end and live comfortably for the rest of our lives. Yours, Pearl. Letter to the blackmailer? Yet Bill Easton came by it. Holmes, do you think this is significant? Could Easton have been planned to turn the table and blackmail the blackmailer? Lady Pearl has unfortunately, by sheer force of habit, perhaps, written her address at the top of the paper. Twelve Sheepcops Lane. Well, our next port of call is clearly indicated. Come, gentlemen, let us visit this pearl lady. I think we're nearing the end of our chase. Sheepcote Lane was on the other side of the town, but we found it quite easily. Holmes walked rapidly up the steps, and a buxom young lady answered the door. You are Pearl? We are the police. Kindly let us in. We wish to ask you a few questions. What? What's your name? You can't come in here. We are in. Now, where yeah. is the man who calls himself Adam West? Adam? He ain't... He ain't here. He's gone to... What is it, Pearl? I thought I heard someone... Bill, Bill Easton. That is correct. Bill Easton, who served his first term of imprisonment as Adam West, and who will now hang for the murder of his wife, Margaret Easton. You'd better take charge from now on, Superintendent Spencer. Tubby Spencer took charge automatically. Easton broke down once he realized he'd been caught. Holmes drove the pony cart back to the fisherman's rest and explained. You see, Watson, there were two things that simply didn't fit in with Tubby's theory that a blackmailer had murdered both Easton and his wife. The first was the scene of the crime. That struggle clearly indicated only two sets of footprints, a man's and a woman's. There was no third party. Hence, the struggle was between Easton and his wife. The second was the hat. Easton fired a bullet through his own hat to make everyone think that the bullet had lodged in his brain and the body thrown into the quicksand along with his wife's. But he made a big mistake. He fired the gun from inside the hat so that there wouldn't be a hole on the other side. There was clear evidence of the powder burns inside. Hence, no murder. Yes, he'd invented the character of Adam West as a blackmailer, threatening to reveal his criminal past in order to drain away his wife's savings. He salted them away with his own money in order to run off with Pearl, his latest mistress. Scotland Yard confirms that he was both Adam West and Bill Easton. Well, I've had a very enjoyable fishing trip. It ended with quite a satisfying catch after all. Didn't it, Watson? Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.